Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Sarah Fisher Talks Connective Parenting. I hope you are well. So this week I wanted to talk about schools because I spent yesterday actually with our level three students talking about how we can use the connective parenting NVR approach in schools. So I thought I would share some of the conversations that came out of that yesterday and some just some ideas, the thoughts that you might like to share with your school if your children are struggling or even if they're not struggling or maybe you're a teacher or yeah, somebody in an education environment who is struggling to connect with some of your children. Maybe you're not sure how best to help them, what might work, what won't work. Um, so yeah, I just thought I'd share some ideas because we had a really fabulous conversation yesterday. Uh, we had an ex-primary head teacher on the training. We had somebody who's been using NVR in schools or trying to for a while. We had people who had experience as parents of you know children who are in school and some fascinating conversations. I truly believe that schools can be an amazing place for our children. I have no doubt about that. The struggle comes when we try to make our children fit into certain shape blocks in certain schools. So you may have a school that's brilliant for, I don't know, I'm going to think about a block thing where you have, you know, triangles and circles and squares. And as a young child, you try to get the right um, block in the right square so they match shape wise. Can't think what that's called. I'm sure there's a name for it. Some schools are really good for people who fit into a square block. Some people are better, schools are better for children who fit into a triangular block or a circular block. The problem I think we have often in our education is that there isn't, or the system as it currently stands, is there isn't space for people who are triangles in square blocks. We don't have necessarily the ability, and I don't mean in terms of teaching staff or support staff not being good enough, in terms of funding is often lacking, the space to change things is is lacking, the requirements from government and Ofsted might mean that it's just not doable to change how they're how they're working. So this isn't a school bashing podcast at all. I've worked with and have worked in schools uh, for a long time with phenomenal staff who are 100% trying the best for their child and for every child in their school, for your child, for every other child. But if the system doesn't allow them to change, if the system isn't able to support them, it's really, really difficult. As a mum who's now home edding, um, I'm saying that instead of homeschooling, home edding, I can see my son loved being in school in some respects, but couldn't cope with other bits. And despite how much his school was able to support us, it wasn't the right environment for my son. I know other children who are absolutely flourishing in school environments some who've moved from one school to another one where they weren't flourishing and the new one is just a better fit for them and they're doing really really well so education we need to start adapting it and thinking more broadly I think um and this isn't I say this isn't education bashing this isn't political this isn't anything like that this is about how do we get the best for every single one of our children I do believe 100% in trying to work collaboratively with school. I appreciate that is easier said than done at times. Having been in a school environment, I've been aware that it's not always easy for the school to collaborate either. As parents, we have to look back and think, how am I trying to communicate with the school? Am I trying to be constructive 
or am I just really angry at them and actually it's not constructive at all? Now, that anger might be very well placed if they are doing things and really not helping. Don't get me wrong. Um, But if we go in all guns blazing from my personal experience on both sides of it and in a whole range of different situations, all guns blazing doesn't always get us what we want. Now, that doesn't mean we shouldn't advocate 100 percent for our children and that we shouldn't, you know, be there and push and, you know, really work hard to get them what they need. When I say that, I mean, don't go in shouting at everybody. Use this approach. Use the MVR approach to think about how do we move forward? How can you work collaboratively with the school? Many, many school staff are absolutely exhausted. I cannot tell you how stressful working in a school environment is. It's incredibly long hours. It was very stressful. Changes could happen on the whim of Ofsted, for example. And so you'd have to do things differently. You might have, you know, parents, (laughs) parents are, teachers are also parents. And so they may, you know, have sick children at home. They may have things going on in their family lives that impacts on how they are every day. We can't ask them to leave that at the door 100%. None of us could. None of us could leave our personal lives at the door when we walk in every day. They are working incredibly hard. And one of the things that came out of the conversation we were having yesterday was this idea actually of staff in schools having compassion fatigue or a version of it and really just not having being at burnout, not having much left to give. And if we're thinking about it from that perspective, how can we work with them to help? How can we share with them what's maybe, you know, is working at home to help your child be more regulated? Share those ideas. If your child is coming out totally dysregulated, but you know that in the holidays, they are much more regulated all the time. Can you share with school what you do in the holidays in terms of sensory breaks, movement breaks, regulating them, helping them to feel safe, all of those things? Can you share them with school and say, look, could you build some of this into your day? Because actually he may be masking at school. He may be staying really calm and regulated in your eyes. But what I'm seeing at home is all of that kind of that masking falling away and and the emotions all coming out. So if you can, and I appreciate it's not always easy, and I know there'll be some parents listening to this saying, Sarah, I'm trying to collaborate all the time, but I just can't manage it or school won't listen. I get it. I hear you. Um, Not everyone is going to be able to. And it might be it's just not the right school for you. I also appreciate changing schools, trying to get an EHCP, maybe trying to get into the right specialist provision can be really, really difficult. I'm not ignoring that either. Um, It can be very, very difficult. Um, But try and work collaboratively with the school. Try and share with them what works at home. As I've said, you know, if you know that uh, giving him a movement break every hour works, see if you can talk to school about can they build that into the day? Many will if they can. They will try and help because they want to help your child. They don't want your child to be totally dysregulated. The other thing that I think is really important at school is this idea of presence for teachers having more presence potentially with their child now I don't mean that in being very authoritarian so some teachers will have presence in the room because the kids are I'm going to say scared of them 
I don't, I hope there's not many teachers who would want that feeling, but that kind of sense of, oh my God, we've got to behave. I certainly had teachers like that at school who you did not mess around for. There was just, you know, you knew you had to behave. I had other teachers who weren't like that at all, but we all behaved because the the, the connection they created in the classroom, the way they were with us, we just naturally didn't mess around. And then there were other teachers who you were much more likely to mess around with. So it might be that you could talk to the teachers that your child has and says, can I help you? Or could you think about how you could create more connection with my child? If your child has attachment needs, they may well need the teacher to acknowledge them when they walk in the classroom, to acknowledge them during the lesson in some way that isn't really obviously different to everybody else in the classroom. You know, maybe just walking up and standing next to their desk at some point or checking in with them throughout the lesson and then saying goodbye at the end. That might be all your child needs to feel more comfortable, particularly if they're moving from classrooms in secondary school. They need someone to just check in with them regularly. So can we help teachers and teaching staff and education staff, anybody working in schools to think about how do we create that connection in a way that works for children who need it in a different way to a neurotypical securely attached child. And that's not to say neurotypical securely attached children do not benefit hugely from teachers acknowledging them when they walk in the classroom and, you know, all of those things. Of course they do. I believe every single child benefits from that 100%. But not all schools are right for every child. If we can help teaching staff to create that connection, if we can help them to start thinking that, Actually, a detention doesn't work for this child. What would work? Hmm. Sitting down and having a conversation with them, like a deferred conversation, that's going to help me understand what's happening for that child. That's going to help me as the teacher understand what caused that behaviour. It's going to help me as a teacher work with that child to resolve those things in the future they don't happen so often. So maybe we can all as parents and professionals in whatever capacity, whether you're listening to this as a teacher, a parent, a social worker, a family support worker, a grandparent. Maybe we can all work together to help our schools think "Mm, maybe detentions don't work, maybe creating connection, having deferred conversations. Those things would be much more effective in changing behaviours in school because we all know those children who go round the detention loop and don't actually get anywhere. They just go into detention, out of detention, into detention, out of detention. For sometimes really minor things, detentions aren't changing their behaviour because if they were, they wouldn't be in the detention loop. So I just wanted to share these thoughts and ideas. I I personally, working with families and I know my team, that schools come up so often as struggles. If we can make some changes, if we can focus on connection, It's not about letting children get away with it or letting children think they can do what they like in school. It's about helping them to learn how to manage within that environment so that if they go into a work environment that's similar-ish to a school environment, for example, they know how to cope, they know how to regulate themselves and they know what to do. And ultimately, they can achieve whatever it is they want to achieve and are capable of achieving if they're in an environment they feel safe. If you feel safe, you learn better, you engage more, you do better. So let's try and work together to create schools that have that environment and enable our children to do as well as they possibly can. That's this week's podcast. I just wanted to um, 
I really wanted to record it after yesterday, after working with our brilliant students who are on our level three uh, qualification course at the moment. And we've actually got Kelly Cox, our new uh, coach, is running a session at the conference next week on working with schools um, from an MVR perspective and how we can use it. So if you'd like more details, come and join us at the conference. It's just 49 quid for all 10 workshops. Um, so you're welcome to come and join it at that. And we'll be sharing more information about using MVR um, in schools and our approach and kind of our thoughts around this to help families, but also to obviously to help those in education. So that is all for this week's episode of Sarah Fisher Talks Connective Parenting. I will be back next week. Bye.